0: Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for a chance uh, to worship you with your people. God, I pray this morning uh, that you would point our hearts to you. God, that you would um, help us to focus you and set our eyes on you and that it would be all all about you. And that in turn, we would love you better. We would love those around us better. Um, Yeah, we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so if you want to open up your Bibles, we are going to be in a few different places this morning. We are going to be in Genesis. Uh, If you want two places, you can put your fingers. Genesis, one right in the beginning, super easy. Oh, I forgot the best part. Kids, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's like the best part. Um, I'm talking about music being awesome in the morning. It is when kids get to run back to faith kids. That is easily the best part. (laughs) Um, if you've got your Bibles, we'll be right in the beginning of Genesis, and we will be in Philippians 1. We're actually going to be in a handful of places this morning, but those are the two places we will be um, the most. Uh, we're, taking, we're taking a step out of our current series in the Gospel of Mark uh, to take a look at a specific topic. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be going back into Mark next week. Uh, but one of the words that you're going to hear over and over and over and over and over and over again here at Faith is the word gospel. Uh, Because it is our conviction that the good news of Jesus should drive the life of all believers. Now, when we say the word gospel, what we are essentially saying, we need to define our terms, when we are saying the word gospel, what we are saying is the overall story of Jesus, which spans the entirety of the Bible. It's not just those four books, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, The story, the overall story of Jesus spans the entire Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Because the gospel is the lifeblood of the church, it follows that it should be the lens with which we view everything that we interact with. So you're going to hear this question here at faith a lot. What does that look like because of the gospel? So last week at Worship at the Park over at Badger, um, Jay preached on the gospel specifically and what it is, and why it's so important for us as Christians, especially living in 21st century America. So this weekend is Labor Day weekend, and we thought it would be a good idea. Um, it's a weekend that we, we take to celebrate those who work. We usually take Monday off. It's ironic that we take a day off from work to celebrate work, but hey, not going to complain. Um, there's usually grilling involved, and that's all right. Um, <laughs> um, But we thought it would be relevant to take a look at work through the lens of the gospel. So we're going to work through what does work look like because of the gospel. Um, And so preparing, I'm going to be honest with you guys, preparing a message that's driven by a topic rather than by a specific passage um, can be difficult because it can be really easy to rely on my own thoughts rather than letting God's Word be the foundational teacher. Uh, So this morning, as I I try to take a look at work through the lens of the gospel— It's important that you, the church, hold me accountable to the Word of God. It's important that you hold anyone who gets the opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning accountable to the Word of God. So I want to take a moment to pray that God would encourage us, convict us, and grow us in our desire to love Him more in this specific area of work and that we would remain, um, we would honor God's Word as we dive into this subject. So let's pray. Lord, um, not my words, but but your words this morning. God, I pray that as as we talk about a topic like work that we would see uh, we would see that you created it to be good. God, that it was affected by sin as we are, but you, that you are, are redeeming it. God, I pray that we would see that so clearly in in your word. I pray that it would then impact us to love you more while we are working, to love those around us while we are working, and God, to see the places where we work as intentional and, and not just accidents. God, you are so good. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. so, one last thing before we look at work. I want to quickly recap what the gospel is and then how we can apply it as a lens with which to view work. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 9:23, Paul states that I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may be a fellow partaker of it. What a thing, what a motivation doing all things for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ so that you may be a fellow partaker in it. Do you resonate with this? Is this a guiding motivation for you in the area of work? What story are we partaking in when we do all things for the sake of the gospel? So a few months ago, I I had the opportunity to preach on the the Syrophoenician woman in Mark 7, and I mentioned five words that are helpful. Um, It's a helpful guide for us that we use here at the church to teach what the gospel is. And you can can listen to that message online. Um, uh, But the five words are creation, rebellion, redemption, renewal, and glory. So these five words are going to help us not only break down uh, the gospel, but it's also helpful for us to be an analytical tool to better understand this topic biblically. With these five words, we're going to try to look and understand what work is in relation to creation, in relation to rebellion, in relation to redemption, renewal, and glory. So, let's get to work. Creation. God created people to work. If you are well-versed in the Bible, this is probably going to sound like a stale and obvious statement. But there are sections of the world and of culture today that would disagree with that statement itself. That we are created to work. Looking at Genesis, looking at how uh, we were created, we learn a few things specifically about how we're created to work. In Genesis 2.15, so if you've got your Bibles open, Genesis 2.15 love the sound of Bibles opening. There's oftentimes back in the youth wing that I won't let students use phones. I'll just make them go and grab paper Bibles because I just love that sound and we should be familiar with our Bibles and where things are. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? Work. Work it and keep it. It's pretty cut and dry. Man was put in the garden to... Work it. So in a general sense, man was created to work, but it goes a little bit deeper. If we actually go back to Genesis one twenty eight, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds and heavens, over every living thing that moves on earth. We're getting a little more specific. Man was called to have dominion over the garden, but also... Uh, the creatures of the garden. And then if we go back, sorry, I know we're going back and forth, but we go back to Genesis 2.19. It says, Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought to them man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So now we're getting even more specific. God, God created man to work in general. God then gave man a call to have work over the earth and then uh, as well as the, the creatures. And then um, he was called to name all of these creatures. There was a specific and purposeful job. It had intention. It had meaning. It was purposeful. Do you want to know the best part about the work that we were called to do in Genesis? It's, it's the common theme throughout creation. It was good. The work man was called to was good, it was purposeful, it was fulfilling, it was intentional, it was good. There was a great relationship between the one who was giving the work and the one who was doing the work. There was no division between the worker and the boss. I don't know if you guys know this, but there is sometimes division between workers and bosses. A couple weeks ago, I, I had the blessing to lead a group of students and leaders down to St. Louis to help out a church uh, in Missouri. Um, <laughs> and there was no division between the students and the leaders. Let me tell you, um, that was sarcasm. Sorry, um, <laughs> we were we were asked to help a church by scraping the old paint off of a long white picket fence and then repaint it in hot, humid Missouri weather. There was division, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it was good. The work, this work did not feel like the work that I saw in Genesis. This, this work on the fence, right? And, and I'm going to imagine, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the work that you probably do each week probably doesn't completely feel like the work that we see in Genesis 1 and 2. Why not? Why doesn't it look that way? Rebellion. Genesis 3, we read about the fall. We read about the consequence of sin. And because of sin, the difficulty of work. Genesis three seventeen says that the ground was cursed because of Adam and Eve. Verse 19 said that it would be by the sweat of their faces that they ate. Because of sin, work is now inherently difficult. The ground is cursed, and we will sweat in order to eat. This is not a beautiful picture that is being painted. It is a difficult one. It is not the way that it was originally made. But it is how it is today. The brokenness of work isn't because it was originally made hard, but the brokenness of work directly comes from sin. Now, a disclaimer, we have to be careful treading through this next section of work through the gospel um, because it can become very easy to walk through the rebellion stage and become bitter at work due to the effects of sin. It can be very, very easy for us to camp out in this section of the gospel and never leave. However, if we are people of God's word, then we have to have a whole gospel understanding of work. So not just an understanding of its brokenness, That being said, for us to better understand the redemption of work, we need to understand the rebellion. So I have three places specifically where I think we can see the brokenness of work. The first one, work is difficult because work is difficult. Might seem a little redundant, but Part of the fall was, in the text says right there plainly, work would be difficult. That's not to say that work is never enjoyable, but that is to say that work in and of itself is hard. Whether physical in nature or not, work is difficult, it's draining. Sometimes the worst part about work is it doesn't even pay off. A farmer might go and plant their crops in all the right ways, and there will still be crops that aren't usable. I have friends who work in in factory settings who pour into a project only to see it have to be scrapped for one tiny mistake. It's the worst. Work is difficult. It sometimes doesn't pay off. When we we were on our mission trip, by the way, when we were painting this white picket fence, there was a couple of pretty big thunderstorms that rolled through the area. (laughs) One of the conversations we had is, what if we spend all this time for like a tree to get knocked over and just like crash that fence or to have it get hit by lightning and start on fire or the wind just straight up take it over to Kansas? <laughs> this, this is the truth about work. It's difficult. The second reason work is difficult is because we as people are affected by sin. We have a sin nature, and and due to that sin nature, we battle things like laziness, self centeredness, stubbornness, pride. And the Bible warns about all of those all over the place, but let's look at one specifically Proverbs 24, if you've got your Bible. Proverbs 24 warns about laziness. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34 says. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, the ground covered with nettles, and its stone, its stone wall was broken down. And then I saw it and considered it, and I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man." This part of the brokenness of work is probably the most difficult part, because we rarely want to admit that it is our sin that causes work to be difficult. We want to look around to those around us, we want to look at work itself being difficult. The problem with that, of course, is that you are sinful, I am sinful. Would anyone like to, ch- would anyone like to challenge me on that, anyone? All right. That's the case. Which do you find yourself doing more often at work? Complaining about the shortcomings of your coworkers, of your boss, or finding yourself more on your knees confessing your fallenness to God? And listen, if that seems harsh, please remember that the gospel does not end at rebellion. This is the second part of, of the gospel, but it would be a big miss if we don't take the opportunity to realize that we fall short of the glory of God. If we were to focus more on how we fall short of the glory of God and spend less time focusing on others, the more time we could focus on the one who redeems us, the more time we could spend looking to our Savior, the more time we could spend looking at our King, Jesus. So lastly, work is difficult. So, one, work is difficult because it's difficult. Two, work is difficult because we are fallen. And, and, and lastly, three, work is difficult because, yes, other people are fallen. And I know I just said you need to focus more on Jesus and less on the sins of the other, uh, on other people, but we cannot gloss over the fact that brokenness in the world means that you will be working alongside, you will be working under, you will be working over those who sin it's crazy because we act like we're surprised by that. We act surprised when other people sin against us. If we believe that the gospel is true and that God created a man, created man fell, then why is it surprising that we work with people who sin? The difference in how the world deals with the frustration of working with others and how the Christian deals in working with others is that we know that this isn't how it should be. The world looks at its co-workers as the sum whole of all the things that they have done or not done against them. The Christian should look at their co-worker as somebody who is created in the image of God. Sinful, yet no more sinful than you and I. And no more less deserving of the salvation offered by Jesus than you and I. I feel like that bears repeating for a moment. The Christian looks at their coworkers as somebody who is created in the image of God, sinful, yet no more sinful than you and I, and no more or less deserving of the salvation offered by Jesus than you and I. And here's the thing, praise God that the gospel does not end at our rebellion. We suffer for the sake of the gospel. It's important to understand the effects of rebellion in all areas of our life. It's important to expect... Uh, It's important to understand the effects of rebellion at work and how it relates to the greater gospel story. But let me encourage you with Philippians 1. Now, at the beginning of the message, I told you to put your thumb in Philippians 1. If you've got it, open it up. It's more towards the other end of your Bible. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Paul, writing this to the church in Philippi as he was in prison, wrote this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation that from God... Uh, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I will have. We will feel the effects of fall at work, we will feel those. But the gospel does not end there. Redemption. The very best starting point for us, if we're going to start anywhere when it comes to looking at work through redemption, is to look at the redeemed work of Jesus. Listen, there has only been one person in all of humanity that worked perfectly and completed perfect work, and that is Jesus. Listen to the words of Peter. In, in the sermon he gave in Acts 2, 22 through 24, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. I feel like at this point, this is where the church goes. Amen. God raised him up. Yeah. Loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is redemption. Jesus paid the price for sin that no one else could pay for so that we could be redeemed. And the effects of redemption is the loosening of pangs of death, as Peter stated. And we don't know what it looks like in full quite yet. We will know one day what it looks like fully. We get to see glimpses of redemption fully in everyday life. But we know this, sin is not our master. Jesus, who is seated on the throne, is our king. The perfect work accomplished by Jesus means that we do not dwell on the rebellion of man, but live in the perfect, redemptive work of Jesus. And this is good news. This is the gospel. So, redemption from sin means that we can look back to the effects of sin and see them redeemed. This is a part of looking at things through the lens of the gospel. Now we look back to the way that work was affected by sin, and we say, okay, well, how was it redeemed? So first, we no longer view work as difficult due to the effects of sin. We look to the intended purpose of work and we live in that truth that we were created to work. We were created to work intentionally. We were created to work purposefully. Men and women were created to work. We were created in the image of God and God himself modeled work in creation. Six days of work, one day of rest. We were created for specific work. God's Word continues to detail out a few places where um, some people might have different gifts. And and those gifts, those lists in Scripture, they are not exhaustive. Romans 12 uh, details out service and teaching and generosity, prophecy or speaking God's truth, leadership, works of mercy, exhortation. That's not even an exhaustive list of the the purposeful work we get to engage in. Ephesians 2.10 Says this: For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, when when we the uh, the youth and the leaders went on this mission trip, and I know I keep bringing it up, but it's still pretty fresh in my mind. So I just I gotta gotta go with it. When we arrived to see that what we were doing in St. Louis was picking uh, painting a white picket fence, not just painting but scraping this white picket fence. The first day, I kept getting the question, why don't we just take it down and build a new fence? (laughs) Why why are we doing this? And here's the thing. Over three days, we painted that fence. Three days. Nineteen people. And each day, we began to see how God specifically had us working on that fence for a reason. Various members of the church would show up. And, and you could tell that in their eyes, the fact that 19 people from northeast Wisconsin drove down to Missouri to paint a white picket fence, for them felt like the redemptive love of Christ working in front of them. Seems seemed so small, but it was so purposeful. By the way, if you want to know more about that trip, I would, I, would, I would encourage you to talk to any one of the people that went on the trip. It was super encouraging. If you were at worship on the park last week, we, we had four guys get baptized. Um, it, was, it was awesome. Please talk to one of the students. Talk to one of the leaders. So listen, while one of the consequences of sin was difficulty in work, we live in the perfect truth that Jesus redeemed us to see a bigger picture in what we do, no matter what we do. It is purposeful. It is intentional. All right, the second effect of sin on work caused us to look inward. All right. so first we looked at work, and now we're looking at ourselves. And, and we believe that we—so this is an important distinction— we believe that we are not sinners because we sin, but from birth we have a sin nature, and therefore we sin. And so how does the redemptive work of Jesus affect us at work because of that? It changes everything. everything. The price of our sin was paid on the cross. Jesus took it, paid the price, rose from the grave, loosening the pangs of death. Second Corinthians 5:17 says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come." As redeemed people, we no longer identify as lazy or self-centered or stubborn or prideful, but rather we identify as a new creation. As Christians, we are now constantly looking inward, confessing our sins, knowing that God is faithful to forgive us of them. We have to be careful because although we live as redeemed people, We know that there is still a battle with our flesh. However, our identity is not in the battle because that battle has already been won. Lastly, as redeemed people, we see those we work with, we work under, we lead in work in a different light. So we looked at work, we looked at ourselves, and now we're going to look at those we work with. I love what Paul says in Philippians 1, 23 through 26. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for I know that to be far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to see you again. I think sometimes we read that passage and we go, oh, that's for somebody who works in ministry. But how would it look for you to look at your coworkers in this way? What would it change if your posture was now that you work in a way for God to show his glory to others at work? What if if you said, yeah, it would be far better for me right now to go and be with the Lord and live in glory. But for the sake of those around me, I live, I work, I press forward so that you may see the gospel. I feel like that might change the way that we work a little bit. I feel like that might change the way we perceive those we work around. Instead of frustration towards those we work with, what if we felt an urgency to show grace and love and forgiveness so that they may see you living in the joy of the gospel? Church, this is what redeemed work looks like. Redeemed work looks like we know the effects of sin. But our God is far bigger, far better, and does not leave us in them. I want you to imagine for a moment, just for a moment, you can close your eyes or not close your eyes, whatever. Um, What would it look like have a coworker all right so you are at work and you are doing whatever the kind of work it is and you have a coworker who worked joyfully you'd never once heard them grumble or complain they were honest they worked hard they produced good work they were always willing to help always lent a hand and then here's the part when you ask them why they loved working where they worked You could fill in the blank. They could work wherever. could be a professor at a university. They could be uh, stocking shelves at a grocery store. And you ask them why they loved working where they worked. And the answer had nothing to do with the work itself. It had everything to do with their love for Jesus pretty awesome person to work alongside, right? I feel like that's the kind of person when you're having conversations with other people you go, yeah, that person's kind of weird, but I like it. (laughs) Be a fantastic person to walk alongside, to work alongside, to strive alongside. Are you that person? Are you the person who works joyfully, without grumbling or complaining, works hard, produces good work, you're honest. And then when you're asked why you work the way you work, it has nothing to do with the job itself. And that's not to say, that's not to say don't love the work that you do. Love the work that you do, that's fine. But that's not the reason, right? We know that it's not the reason. Matthew in Jesus, in Matthew 6, said, Seek first the kingdom and all else would be added. When we are being renewed in Christ, our perspective shifts to him, to him. Right. So this is the next part, by the way, in the gospel as we look to the renewal, the work that God is then doing in redemption. Work is no longer a means to an end, but... It's God's people engaging with something God created us to do. I mean, What would it look like for you to view the work that you do as, as the work that God intended for you to do? God has called you where you are in this moment for a reason. Are you living in that truth? If you're not, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom. It's a perspective shift. It's renewal. God is renewing us to look at him more and more in every single area of our life. And so lastly, glory. We know that when we work, uh, when, we know that there will be work when we are in our full glory. Um, this might be shocking to you. Uh, if your view of heaven is harps, music, and floating around on cla- clouds, I'm going to tell you that you have probably a pretty small view of heaven and you have a pretty small view of work. Also, nobody wants to hear me playing a harp on a cloud, so that would not be heaven for anyone. Um, <laughs> listen, how you work is directly related to how you view God. How you work is directly related to how you view God. If work right now feels lifeless, could it be that you do not see the gospel at work in your work? If work right now feels lifeless, could it be that your gospel is lifeless? We were created for work, and in heaven we will work. The difference being that it will not be marred by the effects of sin. It'll be perfect. We will work completely for God's glory. Until then, there's only one who has lived the life and worked in such a way as to completely glorify God, and that is God himself when he took on flesh and lived the life that we didn't live. So as Paul states, as we look forward to glory... We do all things for the sake of the gospel so that we may be fellow partakers in it. And this is the gospel. Creation, rebellion, redemption, renewal, and glory. Now I would challenge you in saying that there is not an area in your life that the gospel does not affect There's not an area in your life where the gospel does not need to be number one priority. Whether it's your family, whether it's your work, whether it's your hobbies, whatever it is. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up if you guys don't mind. Listen, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. We were created we rebelled. God redeemed us through the work of Jesus, because of which we are being renewed, and one day we will live in complete glory with God. Church, the challenge for you this morning and for this week is the question, does the gospel have an impact at work? Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you created us for work. God, that we have a chance to partake in that aspect of creation. God, I pray that we would never um, lose sight of the fact that you created us to work. The work is not a product of the fall, but we were created to work. Help us to see that through redeemed eyes. Help us to see that through redeemed lives. God, help us this morning to look to you. Help us this morning to focus solely on you, that you would be our priority. You would be the one who guides us in everything. You are so good. We give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.